Today on Ag News Daily. Out of our previous 12 companies in the cohorts, 11 of them have ongoing opportunities, and those opportunities look different. Listeners, Thursday, July 27th, here almost to the end of the hot week that we've been talking about. Tanner and Jennifer here to bring us some news, right, Jen? Absolutely. We are excited for the next couple of weeks, aren't we? Absolutely. We will get this put in your ears and all of the great headlines. We'll first start off with weather. We still have our extensive heat ridge spreading across the United States. We see Several states with temperatures exceeding the 100-degree Fahrenheit mark, specifically in the southwest and the plains. This includes uh, the Mississippi River and across the Gulf Coast. This is going to last for more than just today. It's a couple of days, if we've been talking about it. The extreme heat this time of year is extremely stressful on the crops and livestock and the people that take care of that. So we wish you all the best. Thankfully, though, a large portion of the Corn Belt will see the heat wave end at the end of the week. A trough of low pressure will be moving through southern Canada and will send a cold front along the northern edge of the U.S. Unfortunately, it's only going to push down about as far south as Kansas and Tennessee. Temperatures north of that front will be much closer to normal for this time of year, but unfortunately, those in the Tennessee Valley and the Central Plains and Southern Plains, excuse me, We'll see a myriad of heat again in the triple digit mark range, unfortunately. But if that low pressure front doesn't hold on very long, Jennifer, we could see temps come back up in the Corn Belt the following week. You know, being out on the East Coast right now, having having those higher temps in the Midwest sounds great right now. But with the fact that it could come back up, not looking, not looking great for any of us. That's right. What could be looking better for us is groceries inflation rate for the 2024. The first forecast came out and the inflation rate is the lowest out of the last five years. The government says grocery prices would climb a modest 0.9% next year. That would be the lowest since the last five years. If so, the USDA economists also lowered their forecast for grocery price inflation this year for the fifth month in a row to 4.9. The original forecast started at 8.6, so that's come down significantly. The average rates are still above historical uh, averages, but it is nice to see a decline happening during 2023. The increases in the forecast for 2024 are for fats and oils up 6.1%, sugar and sweets up 8.5%, processed fruits and vegetables up 7.1%, but pork, eggs, and dairy were all forecasted to fall next year, as well as eggs projected to fall by 11%. So a lot of grocery prices there thrown into uh, a downward spin for costs of food. When you look at the overall volatile egg price market. We saw a 32% spike, as we had reported on, but ultimately that 11% drop is still not going to get them back to where eggs had priced prior to the pandemic. So uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on where food prices go, but that's a good update. Absolutely. And jumping in on that good news as well, farmers will no longer have double entry for grain contracts across multiple grain buyers via a new integration from Bushel. Bushel Farm, a farm management software, 
now offers automated grain contract entry by connecting to the Bushel Network, which includes more than 2,600 grain facilities. This integration has been something the team has been working on since Bushel acquired farm logs two years ago, which was the genesis for, for Bushel Farm today. Today, Bushel Farm has 50,000 users. One of the owners says this benefits the farmer and the grain buyer as farmers can generate a marketing position and share it with the grain buyer. This is going to make it easier for farmers to make marketing decisions and make it easier for grain buyers to do business with them. In addition to marketing plans by crop, the new feature provides profitability calculations for marketed and unprotected bushels of entry. The software can allow a details profit and laws, cost of production, and revenue reports. Bushel Farm has permission-based controls within the software with any shared from the grain buyer to the farmer through permissioned access scanner. Yeah, that's uh, going to be a much better way to communicate a grain contract than a thumbs up emoji, which got a farmer in trouble as we reported on earlier. NATO stated yesterday that it is stepping up surveillance in the Black Sea grain region. Can, they are condemning Russia's exit from the grain deal. The announcement came as the Western Military Alliance stated they were going to support Kiev. Allies in, for Ukraine are strongly against and condemn Russia's decision to withdraw from the Black Sea grain deal, said NATO in a statement. NATO and its allies will be stepping up their surveillance and reconnaissance in the Black Sea region, allowing and including maritime patrol aircraft and drones. The deal has allowed and will hopefully provide safe Black Sea grain export from Ukraine, even though the deal that expired on July 17th struck a blow to people everywhere. So Moscow suggested it would consider reviving the grain deal again if improved exports of its own grain and fertilizer were met. So quite interesting there. But we've also seen the Senate provide an amendment and that involves the curtailment of foreign ag land purchases. The Senate voted 91 to 7 in favor of amending the National Defense Authorization Act to prohibit China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran from purchasing Iowa farmland and ag companies. The measure was supported across the aisle. China and Russia are our near peer adversaries, and North Korea and Iran are no friends of the United States. These four adversaries view America as a top competitor and only wish to gain an advantage. So that is why this amendment was passed so swimmingly. Absolutely. And going into my less positive news story for the day or world event happening, firefighters in Greece battled flames burning for the 10th day on the island of Rhodes, while new blazes erupted on the mainland that destroyed farms and factories overnight and left farmers rushing to evacuate their animals. The blazes across the country, which have been supercharged by strong winds and temperatures exceeding 104 degrees Fahrenheit, killed a further two people in central Greece on Wednesday, taking the death toll from the fires to five. Officials were ordered the evacuation of several communities in the hard-hit area of Magnesia, a coastal area north of Athens. The body of a 45-year-old shepherd was found in a rural area Wednesday evening, the fire brigade said. Earlier, authorities had found a body of a woman, stated TBERT. Both deaths were attributed to the fires. In Seskio, a village near the coastal port city of Volos, the regional capital, 
The charred remains of a cow can be seen on the farm as locals coached the rest of the cattle away. Late on Wednesday, flames threatened the industrial zone of the city of Volos. Firefighters circled the area as they tried to protect it, a Reuters witness said. The labor ministry urged employers in the area to suspend operations on Thursday. Wildfires are frequent in Greece during the summer, but higher temperatures as well as drier weather, which scientists attribute to climate change, have turned the country into a Mediterranean hotspot. The fire brigade said more than 500 wildfires have burned in Greece so far this year. Yikes, that's uh, not good. We've got wildfires all over the place. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture is hiring a director for their Emerging Farmers Office as part of a larger push to diversify and include individuals in the ag industry. In May, lawmakers approved $1.5 million in funding over the next two-year span for the Emerging Farmers Office. The director will do outreach and facilitate grant programs for new and underserved farmers. The MDA defines emerging farmers as indigenous, immigrant, veteran, LGBTQ, young or beginning, as well as women and people of color, groups that have been historically excluded from traditional government assistance. It's the first state office in the country dedicated to supporting new farmers, is what the state of Minnesota said. I've got a couple more updates coming from Russia. It looks like Vladimir Putin is hosting several African heads of state at the summit in St. Petersburg, a sign of Russia's diplomatic isolation. Food insecurity has been a key issue for those attending. The food supplier of Africa is no longer reliable, and Putin wants to state that Russia is going to continue to fulfill that. Ukraine has committed more forces to its counteroffensive in the southeast, And nearly two months of slow progress is starting to show a way forward. So we'll continue to keep an eye out on what is happening there. But it looks like Putin is stating that he will send free grain to six countries. He stated that Putin and Russia can replace Ukraine's grain supplies to Africa and announced that Russia will send grain free of charge to six African nations in the next few months. I have already said that our country can be reliable replacement to Ukrainian grain, both commercially and in the form of gratuitous. To be specific, states that the countries will be uh, Burkina, Zimbabwe, Mali, Somalia, and the Central African Republic, as well as Entria, They will each receive 25,000 to 50,000 tons of grain free of charge is what the announcement was made. But before I jump into markets, do you have anything left for today, Jennifer? I do. I have one last positive story for farmers in Pennsylvania. Farmers in Pennsylvania's largest agriculture production county are receiving an influx of cash to help expand conservation efforts through the Chesapeake Bay program. During an event at a dairy farm in Lancaster County on Tuesday, EPA officials and others announced about $14.3 million in grants will be available to farmers in the county. Using funding from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the most effective basins program will receive $23 million this year, a $15 million increase from its $8 million annual allocation. About 60% of this year's overall funding will go directly to Pennsylvania to connect farmers with the financial resources they need to implement conservation practices. 
Lancaster County farmers account for 19% of all product sales in the state, generating about $1.5 billion in sales. Chesapeake Bay Foundation and other plaintiffs dropped the lawsuit against the EPA in recent weeks after a settlement agreement was reached with the EPA to reduce nutrient runoff in the Chesapeake Bay. The settlement requires the EPA to crack down on runoff pollution from farms in seven Pennsylvania counties, including Lancaster, Tanner. Hey, there you go. Well, let's jump into where markets are starting to settle in the overnight as we're here recording just before open. December corn looks to be up a penny in the overnight to open at 5.49 and a quarter. November soybeans looks to be up five cents to open at 14.25, even for the November contract. Wheat itself, December contract looks to be up five and a half in the overnight to open at 7.48, even. Live cattle futures barely up is where it looks like. Closed last night at 179.95 for the October contract. So, as we look into our conversation today, Jennifer, who do we have the pleasure of talking to? Today, we are talking to Billy Hunt with the America's Cultivation Corridor. Well, listeners, today we have a fantastic lady joining us. Her name is Billy Hunt, and she is currently the Executive Director of America's Cultivation Corridor. And Billy, so before we jump into the meat of everything that I would love to talk about today, could you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and what your position with America's Cultivation Corridor entails? Sure, Jennifer, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, America's Cultivation Corridor was started in 2014 as an opportunity to elevate innovation in the food and ag system, in particular stemming from Iowa, but as we know, anything in the food and ag industry in Iowa goes global. Uh, I have over 25, almost close to 30 years now, I don't feel that old, uh, in the food and ag industry. And I'm just an Iowa farm girl who got an opportunity to do global work, yet still uh, be based right here in Iowa. Wow. So it sounds like you have an amazing opportunity to do some pretty incredible things with the company that you're currently with, which recently had a launch of a new program, um, or not a new program, but a new partnership in the program, I guess is a better way to put it. America's Cultivation Quarter announced that you are partnering with a group of companies from Israel. Could you tell us a little bit more about that partnership in the program that the companies that you're partnered with will be participating in? So the seven companies from Israel are participating in a program we call Cultivo. Uh, it's kind of our fun play on you bring cultivation and innovation into one word and you come up with Cultivo. The idea is um, to be able to help businesses from across the world be able to scale faster into the food and ag industry in the U.S. So it's a six-week course that they participate virtually for two and a half hours each week. And they learn about our ecosystem. They learn about the U.S. economics. They learn how in the heck do you knock on a farmer's door when farmers don't want 500 companies knocking on their door? So how do you find partnerships, alliances to get your product introduced into the U.S.? We also give them overviews of the finance and tax structure, uh, regulatory IP, and also workforce. This is our third cohort. This is our first country-specific cohort. We have had companies in our previous two from Australia to the UK to Costa Rica to Brazil, 
uh, Germany. We've had companies from all around participate in our program, and it provides a great opportunity just for them before they come into the U.S. to not only fly to the U.S., but be able to fly to the U.S. and have solid meetings to get start, started. So some of our previous companies have signed MOUs with already global leading brands that have huge footprints here in Iowa, um, all the way to other signing partnerships and agreements with Iowa State University faculty members, because we all know in the food and ag industry, we're regulated by FDA, EPA, USDA. And this gives them an opportunity to get some research going in, in country. So that way uh, the regulatory process doesn't take quite as long. Countries from all over the world traveling to partner and visit and form connections with companies in Iowa and learning all of this information sounds like an incredible opportunity for them. So with that being said, with all of the business farm opportunities in Iowa, what are some of those businesses and companies that are chosen to participate in this program to partner with all of these international companies? And why did you, as America's Cultivation Corridor, choose these companies to be the best fit to form these connections with the international relations? So with this cohort, we now will have had 19 companies go through the program. We select them on what makes sense and where we know we can provide them value. So when we look at the strings of, um, of Iowa, we think of animal science, uh, the domination we hold either in production or in uh, research up at Iowa State. We look at crop genetics, similar, you know, we have a strong row crop system, let alone strong leading name companies here with research facilities. We look at bioproducts and biomass processing as one of the biggest opportunities forward looking for the state of Iowa. But we also look at advanced manufacturing because we have a lot of that here too. But some, and a sector that's sometimes a little bit more silent, but if you stop and think about it, it makes a lot of sense is food processing. Uh, if you have all these crops, you have all the animals here, we have food processing here too. And we might be amazed what corn goes into or what soybeans go into. So if they're in the food and food system as well, we really like to connect with them because that gets us closer to our customers. So we look at all of that as a priority. We also look, you know, this program is for companies ready to scale up in the US. It's not for someone who doesn't have their prototype figured out yet. So we really look at those that are successful in their home country, which Israel provides a unique twist because their food and ag system, um, they need the US, they need larger markets. So with them, we liked, where are you also doing work? Is it in Europe? Is it in other areas around? Because this program really isn't about testing your product to see if it's going to work. It's about how do you scale fast and how do you identify the right partnerships for them to help them move quickly when they're ready to start scaling. Absolutely. And this actually leads perfectly into the next question I have for you. You already mentioned a little bit on it, but from what I read, it sounds like the prog program is a application and selection process through the companies that are interested in looking toward participating in it. So what type of companies are you exactly looking for? You already mentioned that you would like them to be um, ready to scale up and already know that they are successful, at least in their home countries. So why should these companies exactly be, be excited and interested to participate in this virtual academy as well? 
So this is a fee-based program. So they pay, it's more like tuition to be a part of it, but we also ask them to let us know where they're looking at cracking into the U.S. system at. And we work really hard to find uh, researchers that can walk alongside them, business partnerships that could potentially, you know, help move them along more quickly, but also who are their customers going to be. And our goal is by knowing their success currently, but also knowing what they're looking for. At the end of the day, it's the relationship that matters. And in the food and ag industry, probably more than any industry, for success, you need to be a trusted, reliable partner. Well, you do that on building relationships. And no one can build them better. I always laugh in Iowa. It's not six degrees of separation. It might be 0.5 or one degree of separation. So our goal is hopefully we can connect them properly with people here that they can start developing business relationships with. Um, that's probably our most important piece is how do we make sure once the program's done, they're able to continue to have ongoing conversations. Out of our previous 12 companies, in the cohorts, 11 of them have ongoing opportunities. And those opportunities look different. It could be working with a financial institution here. It could be working with someone that can help find them, you know, more investors for their organization. It could be working with one of our uh, globally known companies and setting up a test protocol to see how the product will work. So that part is important, how we continue to make this not a transactional program, but a relational program so they can continue to grow. Now, while I believe every ag connection can find a strong connection in Iowa, we also know that sometimes we have to connect them outside of the state. And one partner we, or one company we brought in previously, as we got to know them better, we found out they were probably a better fit for another sector of the industry that's maybe not Iowa's strong point. So we helped connect them. The fun part was they were in the program two years ago and they're still reaching out today uh, to update us and to continue to figure out how we can make things work. So it's not a perfect match every time, but uh, it's also how do we make sure they find success in the United States? Absolutely. And this has all been incredible information. I know I've learned a lot, so I am positive that our listeners have as well. But I'm also sure that there's a lot of information that I didn't ask a question about. Is there anything important that you would like to share with the listeners that you think is key to knowing about this program or just anything else that they may be interested in? So while we're very, very excited about the Israel cohort right now, uh, we always have to be looking forward. So we are currently taking applications for a multinational one that will start in October and go through November. So if you are aware of international scale-ups looking forward to connecting or trying to find a way to connect, have them go to the cultivationcorridor.org, O-R-G. I want to make sure everyone does .com. It's .org. And you can find information on our website on the Cultivo program and how to apply. So that is open ongoing. So when we get enough, we can do another one, but we are going to do a multinational one starting in October. So please go check out the website and pass it on to any colleagues or friends you may know that are looking at launching a business in the US. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Billy. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to teach us all about this incredible program. Very good. Listeners, this is just the beginning of a great two-week stretch. 
stick with us. Come back tomorrow for a fun Friday edition of the episode. But Jennifer, for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.